everything for me is just fun. It's just like me enjoying myself. I haven't ever felt like, fuck, I don't want to do this today. It's always been like, great, a new opportunity. Let's see what where life takes us today. Welcome to Making Conversation with me, Grant Bryden, a podcast about music, creativity, and careers. For this series, I've sat down with a range of artists and creative professionals in order to learn about how their unique experiences and perspectives can help us in our creative and business practices. For this episode, I spoke to photographer and co-founder of Places with Faces, Cisse. He took some time out of his busy schedule between throwing sold-out parties to preparing for the release of his latest clothing drop to share the journey so far, including growing up between Gambia and London, the importance of travel in his work, and how he's been able to build relationships with artists that have allowed him candid access as a photographer, and how he's been able to make a successful business out of his lifestyle, the things he'd likely be doing, whether he was getting paid to or not. I've been starting all of the conversations by asking the same question, which is, what is the first memory you have of like some music affecting you? I think one of the earliest music memories for me was listening to um, Mace's Harlem World album. Right. Yeah, I, I remember that, I think, being the first album that I ever owned when I was young. I could probably owned others, but I remember that distinctively. Harlem World and then Double Up album, his like second album. But yeah, Harlem World album for me was like, yeah, my favorite album. Still one of my favorite albums to now, just because like, I don't know, it's just, I think that album and the, I don't know if you remember that TV show Nickelodeon called Cousin Skeeter. Right. It was like this, like, it was like a, uh, like a black show in Nickelodeon and then they had this, like, puppet who was, like, a cousin, but they didn't acknowledge he was a puppet. It was like, he was, like, a part of the family, but they just acted like he was a puppet. Like, he, he was, like, a puppet, but, like, and, but it was, like, a real person in the show. And I think, like the people that did the soundtrack I think it was total that song tell me what you want from me i think they did they were on the tv show and they did um like they did the soundtrack for the show i can just remember like that album and that show were like the two shows i watched growing up and the album i listened to and the show i watched growing up in the 90s yeah, yeah. that's a much cooler first album than i think yeah. i ever had <laughs> but how did you end up with that album i think it was past it was given to me by my cousin who's more of like a sister to me because my family like um i'm the eldest it's just me and my little sister and then my mom's sister she has like a son and a daughter as well but the daughter's older and the son's younger and i grew up with them more of like a brother and sister relationship than a cousin to cousin we were so close like I, they they lived with me in london when we all moved back to gambia we lived together so my s- cousin at the time she was i can't remember how she probably like 16 yeah, she's probably like 15, 16, and she had the album, so I'd always like sneak and like listen to the album to the point where like I'd go to bed with the album and then she just ended up giving it to me. So that's how, how old I, were you then at that time? Um, maybe like seven yeah. years old, maybe even younger, could have been like six, yeah, between six and seven year old. Okay. Yeah, it was like still in the 90s, like before 2000. So I was born in 92. I feel like I would have had the album in like 98 maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is in London at this point? Yes, in London. Okay. And you just mentioned you moved back to... So you were born in London? Yeah, I was born in London. I lived in London until I was seven. Cool. And then I moved to Gambia, which is in West Africa, um, where my family is originally from until I was like 13, 14. And okay. then I moved back to London after okay. that. What was the move for? Um... You know, I just went. I just wanted to go for like a holiday because my mom was going, and then they saw that I had such a good time. So they were like, you know, they just like kept me there. Right. And you know, it was one of the like it was my favorite times. Like that seven year period, like one of the most fun times. When my life's fun now, but just like growing up and then living there because I feel like a lot of um, people, especially a lot of people of color they don't really know their roots. It could be 
maybe because of slavery that their parents don't know their backgrounds or just because like their parents never introduced them to that part of their life and I was lucky enough to been able to live like in London but also go to Gambia and live there and experience what I experienced and then move back to London having the benefit of living in both in both yeah, yeah. yeah. what was it what were the what was the music like when you were living in Gambia? What were you kind of getting over um, there? When I moved back to Gambia, my dad was like a super hip hop head, so he had like a bunch of like CDs. He had um, the Snoop Dogg album. I can't remember their name, but I remember the cover because it was when Snoop Dogg was signed to to Master P. So you know, all the albums right. were like the you know the dogs and the chains, like the super crazy Photoshop of like the dogs and the chains and the big mansions. So I remember that album, listening to that. But also, Gambia is a very uh, reggae inspired country. Okay. So like, I listened to a lot of reggae growing up as well because my dad would listen to it. So I grew up listening to like Sizzler and Bujibanton and Morgan Heritage, like a lot of like real reggae vibes. I didn't really listen to much more hip hop until I moved back to London. But there was still like stuff that people would play, you know, like when 50 Cent came out, that I think that globally, like yeah. he was the biggest rapper, like globally. And I remember like Nelly was pretty big out there too. But Gambia is a very like reggae and like dance hall. They love that out there. And then when you moved back to London from there, like what was what was that experience like? And why did you want to move back to London? Um, moving back, it, was, it wasn't hard to adjust because I'd like, I'd like, even when I was in Gambia, I'd still like travel. Like I'd probably come back to London for like a holiday or even like America or somewhere. Like, I even went to Kosovo. So it's not like I was like in Gambia and yeah. I never left Gambia. We were still like going on holiday. It was just, I guess for me, I didn't, Initially, I didn't grow up listening to grime. Actually, but I, mean, I say that, but whenever I tell people the first grime song I heard was Dizzy Rascal, it's just the Rascal, they're like, oh, that's that's a fine place to start. But for me, I was assuming there was way more other songs that I missed out, and then I grew up like trying to catch up. So there's a lot of things that I missed out on that I caught up on, or... I just like completely just said, you know what, I, I can't get into this. I've missed that mark, so let me just leave that alone. I guess the biggest change was the weather. Yeah. Like, Gambia is a very like hot country. Like, it's called the smiling coast of Africa because it's so sunny and beachy and stuff. And then moving back to London where it's grey. And um, this was, I think it was 2005 or 2006. So, yeah, it was very conservative. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and then that's when, like, knife crime was at its peak. So it's a very... I feel like that was a very dark time to be in London. And, yeah, it was it was quite a different thing. But I'm glad I moved back then and not later. Just because I was able to kind of like fend my way through things like you know like 13 is kind of like the age where you I feel like you really start the initial maturing stages and then kind of like figuring out like subtly where your life wants to be not like obviously it's a lot of pressure but still 13 is like cool that's like year nine and then obviously year 10 year 11 year 12 and then you're in like sixth form or college so then you have to start kind of really like placing your life a little bit just kind of thinking oh if do you want to be a lawyer or a fireman or a photographer or a business owner or a banker or, you know so i think for me it was the perfect time for me to come back to then see if i want to carry on living in london or would i rather move back to gambia and just continue living there so when you were in school and you had those choices to kind of deal with at that time what were you kind of looking to become i was always into media and movies so like i love like watching movies from a young age and i knew i always wanted to do something in the media industry at that age i was probably thinking more of becoming a director which i still 
want to do like I've directed stuff but I do want to go into making short films which I think is going to happen eventually well no I think I know it's going to happen yeah. eventually yeah at that age actually that's a lie it was acting I was more into acting so like I, I did like a lot of like theatre right and like dramatical pieces just like school plays and stuff I was always like in all the school plays so it was more expressive arts that I was into Okay. Do you remember any particular roles that you played? Mm, I think I remember playing um, Scrooge right. in that Christmas thing. Christmas Carol. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I remember playing Scrooge because it was always like, bah, humbug. <laughs> and like I remember yeah. that. So that's, I think that's what I remember. Yeah. When did you first start taking pictures? I started taking pictures literally when I started Place With Faces. Like, it wasn't, okay. like, no training before that. It was, I've, I took pictures by accident, to be honest. Because um, what happened was, is I was in, yeah, so I was in New York, and um, I had, like, a camera, so I was, like, recording things, but my laptop stopped working. I couldn't edit videos on my laptop anymore. I think I probably like I think my free trial was done or there was like a problem right. with my laptop so I couldn't edit videos and I was like damn I'm here so what am I gonna do then I was like you know I don't know how to take pictures but fuck it I'm gonna I'm try at least so then I'd like get into all these events and then attempt taking pictures and I'll take some and then I would send them to Souls who's like my business partner place of faces and he'd be in London then he'd edit the pictures you know, just like um, the saturations and like make them lighter. Like when I look back on them now, all the pictures were horrible. <laughs> but, but because yeah, they were so bad. Um, just like how we edit, it looked like early Instagram filters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, you know, um, when he'd edit them, and then that was like our system. So you know, then I learned obviously, and then as time grew on, I became a better photographer. Like I used different cameras and just felt like just found the right system that worked for us yeah yeah because i remember i think the first time that i met you you were shooting video yes and i don't know i assume that was before yeah um but i was like doing videos within place phrases because then i do this like episode these episodic like vlog things right. where like anywhere anywhere I go or wherever I do I just always document and make it into this like 10 minute like episode so it could be like oh I'm in like Tokyo or New York and or oh, it's New York Fashion Week here's Skepta here's Virgil here's Travis you know stuff like that not me presenting but it's just these like episodic things so I always kept the video aspect to this day so I always like I don't really have that much time to like film stuff myself. I do, but not as much as I want to. Because back then I was like filming everything, and now it's like, cool. I have to like I want to film this, but I don't have time to edit it and all of that stuff. But you know, I'm getting I'm getting back into the groove of things. Yeah. So when you were so when you were in school and kind of doing this like acting and stuff, and then getting into media, what? Did you did you go to university? Yeah, I went to university. Um, I'm like talking about university. What did you study? I studied media production. Okay. Yeah, so everything like literally from the age of 13, maybe even earlier, but I should yeah even earlier because I was doing drama in Gambia as well. But from like the age of 13, I was um, just like super focused on doing some sort of like creative thing but it was always to do with either like filming acting and then eventually became photography so when you had this experience where the your laptop breaks and you kind of doing photos what what was it about that that made you put a brand name on it straight away well it was just more so we just wanted to um because you know we wanted to put this photo somewhere and i didn't want to just keep uploading it on instagram and we just wanted to create a page that I would post my stuff that I'm in New York and then if Souls is in London, well, while Souls is in London, he'd post the pictures. And then, you know, I think what inspired the name 
is because I used to go into the Billionaire Boys Club store a lot while I was in New York, hoping I'd meet Pharrell. And then I'd always see the book, like, Faces and Places. And then I think, like, my brain and my subconscious, like, just jumbled the words together. And then it was like, oh, places plus faces. Like, it was literally, like, I told Souls, yo, let's make a Tumblr. He was like, what should we call it? And I was literally like, oh, man, I don't know. Just call it Places plus Faces. And then that's how it kind of, like, the name just became the name. So it wasn't even like me thinking of it like for six months, like I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna call it. It was literally like in a kitchen in in Harlem. And it's like, all right, cool. Let's create something called Place Those Faces. Let's buy the domain straight away so we can own it. It's like I was literally like so um, forward thinking. I was like, let's own the domain. It's only like five pounds on GoDaddy. Like, you know, let's make sure we copyright everything just so that, you know, this is our thing. And I didn't know what it was going to become. I thought it was going to be like a hobby of ours that we do after our nine to fives because he was working at Sainsbury's at the time. Right. I didn't have a job at the time, but I was always like, you know, just maneuvering around or like doing like freelance gigs to make money. But there was always the back of my mind. I was thinking, damn, I'm going to have to get a nine to five one day. So if I do get a nine to five, this will probably just be something I do when I have time. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think it was that taught you to be so so forward thinking because I, th- I feel like a lot of people would would have if they were in your position would have just uploaded it to their instagram yeah. and obviously like you said you knew you wanted it to be more than that yeah i mean i think one of the like i think watching a lot of shows and stuff like those like programs where like you know like there was a, what my favorite show is how to make it in america yeah. and like that i did like i watched that when i was in uni well i was still in uni at the time i was in place face but i probably watched it six months to a year prior to starting Place Faces. I think Place Faces started in my second year of uni, maybe second going on to third. And uh, this show, you know, like I started watching when I was in my first year of uni, it was uh, recommended by a friend. And like, I just saw how, you know, these two guys from New York were like moving around and hustling. And so in my head, I was like the same. I was like, okay, I'm in New York. I'm in the LES. I've got a maneuver, I've got a hustle damn, like, okay, cool, they they got fucked over because, you know, they had this big, com- they had this company that was doing well, then this guy wanted to buy into it, and then he, like, was trying to buy the copyright, so I should copyright already, so if anyone tries to steal the name, I own the trademark and all that stuff, so I think, like, that show was, like, in my head, like, just telling me, like, okay, cool, this is the mistakes they were doing, you shouldn't do this, even though it's a TV show, it taught me a lot. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so annoying that it got cancelled, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, I feel it's like it's inspired smart. so many yeah. people as well. And I feel like, like, as much as I wanted to come back, I don't know if it would work in this, right, at this day and age, because that was a time when, you know, like, iPhones weren't that popular, and just as a TV show, it was like the real hustle and bustle of things. Whereas I feel like, you know, to that essence, that was like a like a like a nice New York essence. You know, even like the characters. You know, even though like Kid Cudi was in it, he's not like Kid Cudi, the megastar he is now. Yeah. So you can truly believe Kid Cudi's characters being this like pot smoking, dog yeah. walking guy. But if you see him do that role now, it's like no, this Kid Cudi's been in Fast and Furious and all these things. And like, you know, so. It's just like embodies a certain time that I would have loved to have been in, but I can't. So I watch this show. Right. But if they did it now, if they did it now, it would probably be someone just sat looking at their iPhone, exactly sending like, messages. You know, like you know, like yeah, okay, I want to design this piece, and then just on Instagram, and like I don't really like shows that use like real life social media it's cool he's like oh this guy just sent a tweet when i hear something i'm like i cringe i'm like oh my god even though it's like real it's like i don't want to see these things i want to see instagram and twitter and all these tv shows because it just makes it cringy (laughs) for me anyway do you think that that kind of like interest in that hustle like inspired your work ethic because obviously even from very early i I remember things of like you going straight after a gig to upload some pictures to get it wasn't like you were like waiting until days later and then uploading them it's like everything felt like real time yeah you know 100 percent. it was just you know you wanted to put out the content as soon as we took it because we wanted to be first you know if you know, we were at a show 
taking pictures from the pit, which we we've done. We don't do that no more, but we've done it. You know, um, you know, if there's like four other photographers next to us all taking pictures, we wanted to be the first ones there, so that if the artist was going to repost or retweet, then you know potentially be our pictures because we put it out super quick and then maybe their management or labels or companies would see how quick we were at uh, taking pictures um, making them look nice and then uploading them then they might hire us to do content for their companies or labels or artists and all that so it's always that mentality of you know just having the best content out as quick as possible for them yeah did you ever use watermarks? We did. Uh, we did for a little while. I'm not against watermarks. Watermarks are cool. Like I like I've watermarked pictures. I haven't done so in a long time. Maybe just cause like, for me, you know, it's like pictures are pictures. You can like if somebody wanted to steal your picture all you have to do is just edit out the watermark you know it's like everyone has photoshop it's not hard to remove a you know you could crop a watermark out of it so you know i just like pictures how they are and how they taken so there was for a while even like to this day really i've never myself edited a picture because like, i always take it and then from what i see and what's been presented is what i want to show the world and yeah so with watermarks now i've never We've done a we've done a couple times. Like I remember Walmart the Kanye for because that was like like I had to Walmart that photo to let people know like we took this picture, you know. But now I'm not so like so um fussed about Walmart and like, if you know I took it then, you know, cool. Because some of the pictures I get now, well most of them, the access that I have, no law photographers have those access. So when I do take a picture you know, people know I'm like the only person that could have taken that picture at that time. So if someone tries to see and say it's theirs, then it's easy to be like, okay, when did you take this? Where did you take it? You know, like the artist will come like, yo, who are you? You know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I've had a, I've had a few conversations recently with like young photographers about watermarks and their kind of concerns about their images getting stolen. But mm-hmm. I kind of like advised them, in my opinion, and I just wondered what you thought that it kind of feels like you're probably going to lose more opportunities by having a big watermark on your image yeah than you are going to gain yeah i mean you know like like we even our watermarks all like little watermarks will just be like at the bottom of the picture just like very subtle it's like oh you see all places faces but yeah i mean it's like you know photos are art you know and like you don't have like like picasso like writing a giant Picasso for you to know it's a Picasso but even though like Picasso probably at that time could only do that certain style of art I'm not against them it's like I feel like different people are in different positions so you know saying that you know they might lose opportunities I know there's some young photographers that are just scared that they'll get their pictures taken because not a lot of these days even the artists would like just get tagged in the picture they'll see the picture they'll see the person that's tagged them but they'll just like they won't even ask for the picture they'll just like screenshot it crop it and put it on their Instagram and then you know you have the photographer in the comments like yo I took this picture tag me because they want opportunities because you know they obviously paid money if it's film they paid money to develop the picture so they feel like they should at least get tagged to you know recoup something even if it's like 10 more instagram followers that's them at least benefiting off of it but if they don't get tagged if no one knows they took the picture then for them it's like they get heartbroken by that because they have no way of showing that they took the picture unless they show the original but the people that the person that the person's fans that have seen the picture on his account or her account may not see this photographer's work. So I'm kind of saying I'm not a for. I'm not. I'm not against it. I just don't do it personally. But I understand why people yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, of course. How do you feel when your work gets kind of used out of context like that sometimes? Mm, mm, it used to bum me out a lot. Now it doesn't happen to me as much because. I only really nowadays take pictures of people that I really like or have relationships with. And when I do, these people 
always credit me because like it's a good photo i hope and and you know um for us yeah it's just like a relationship thing so it's like if i took a picture of like uh, an amine or a buddy or a or even like a skepta they'll always tag because like they're they you know we're all friends and stuff so i'm not too like bothered about it now but i used to be when it happened a lot but I think it's just, I guess it's when you grow as a person and as a person with the work, like for your skills, when you're at, I don't necessarily say a certain level, but when you've demanded the respect, then I feel like then people credit you more, if that makes sense. You know, it's like if you're a photographer just starting up and you're taking these pictures and someone doesn't credit them, then that's and that's not necessarily because the person doesn't respect them but a person's not like like it's often like just they're unaware aren't they they don't necessarily know what they had to do to get that picture out yeah i don't think it's ever a personal thing or a disrespectful thing even it's more it's like you know they kind of feel like oh we get taking pictures we're getting people take so many pictures of us a day and it's not again it's not defending them but i just feel like in their heads i think people are taking so many pictures of a day they're probably profiting off of us already yeah. by like maybe selling these pictures or these things so the artist probably just thinks that oh, okay this is a cool photo of me this pro- photographer probably got paid by the venue or got paid by a company to take this picture of me i like it so he's probably getting what he's getting out of it and i'm posting a nice photo not knowing that some photographers generally aren't getting paid for it they, he, that, that person just was there to happen to take that photo and was hoping that he could get it across to the artist in a more um, in a more legit way maybe like emailing them or sending it to the management but I probably go off Instagram and then posted it so again you know it's sometimes to, to, the photographer might have to be more smart on not necessarily smart but more um, vigilant on how they are presenting the photos because if you take a picture and then put it in your Instagram right away then that already gives the option for that picture to get taken but maybe if you take the picture and then send it to the artist management or even DM the artist I'm like hey I took pictures of you at XYZ would love to send them over to you um, and then you know the artist might reply and be like okay cool send over the pictures and then when you're doing so just be like oh please can you make sure you credit the right um, right handles and then when that happens that opens a dialogue and then that either A the artist is like alright cool this guy this guy seems like a cool guy I'm going to credit him or I'm just going to credit because this guy took a picture of me or B the artist could just be an asshole and just look at that see what the guy has done and still take the picture and not credit the person you know it's like it, it happens you yeah, know there's it's pretty shit for the people that that happens to, you know, it's, it's happened to me. But even so, even if it's like a picture that, I remember even taking a picture of Lil Wayne and like Lil Wayne posted it and he didn't tag, but I, in my head, I wasn't even like, people were like, oh, Lil Wayne posted your picture. I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. I wasn't even like that, like, like phased by it. Like, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like on to the next thing. Like I'm not even, cause I'm working on so many different things even with like photos and stuff that I myself is an, am an artist and my work, people know my work and people people are knowing what we are, Places Plus Faces. Like I don't want people to look at Places Faces as just like a hip hop photography thing, you know? I want people to look at Places Faces as more as a journey between Souls and I of these two guys traveling around the world, taking pictures and oh, they happen to meet an ASAP Rocky in Paris and this is that part of that journey but it's not focused about who did they shoot today it's more so where did they go and who did they end up shooting while they were there but yeah. the oh, the focus is always on us rather than what we're going to do yeah, no, yeah, sorry yeah. not what we're who we're shooting yeah yeah do you think that though especially when you're dealing with faces do you think that often there's also a misunderstanding that the person in the photo, the person whose face it is, thinks that it belongs to them. Yes, I mean, the yeah. The Some artists are naive and do feel that whatever is taken of them, that they own it. But, you know, 
I remember hearing this thing that photographers are allowed to sell the pictures of the person without even getting consent or they can profit off those photos without getting consent from the artist. I wouldn't necessarily do that, but I know that that's a thing, like people can do that. So maybe the artist, not defending them, but maybe the artist might think that's happening already. So that's why they feel entitled to for the pictures to, even if it's just an Instagram post, and then, you know, and then the photographer could then be like, okay, cool, I took this picture of Quavo, I'm gonna sell it on my website, and maybe Quavo thinks that's what's happening. But maybe, yeah, 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 maybe it does happen, and sometimes it doesn't. So. Yeah, of course. How do you, how do you go from just sort of being a guy with a camera to building these relationships and getting this kind of access that you have? Um, you know, like I've always, with what we do or what I do, um, I always make sure to develop some sort of a dialogue you know like tr even like or even attempt to start a dialogue you know I could take a like you know I could take a picture of you know an ASAP Ferg let's say before I ever meet if I, if I took a picture of ASAP Ferg I could A take the picture and just like walk away and that's it or I could you know B which is what I usually do is cool taking a picture like hey I took these pictures of you I'd love to get them to you some way do you have some way I can send them to you? And then if he like really wants the pictures, he will like give you his email address or some way of sending it to him. And from there, that could be in New York and then he might fly to London and see me in London. Like, oh, you're that photographer. You know, if he remembers, you're the photographer that shot me in New York. What are you doing here? Oh, I live here. Oh, you do? And then start making more of a dialogue. And you might not even take pictures of him that time, but you just, you know, conversate. Well, that's what I did anyway. Like, I feel like everyone's different on how they approach people, but I always just try to establish some sort of a dialogue and an approachability. And then from there, it's, you know, now it's easier because a lot of people know about the brand, well, I hope. So I don't have to do too much talking about then. I'd always have to be like, yeah, this is explaining what I do. Yeah. But now it's like, oh yeah, I do some called Place with Faces. Oh, Places Faces, I've heard of that. My friend wears that, or I've seen your photos, or I've heard about your parties, or I've been to your parties, and then it's just kind of like, it kind of eliminates like the the long conversation yeah, 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 of explaining. Yeah. It's just like, okay, cool, this is what I do. Or oh, you've heard of it? Cool. You know, let's take a photo or something. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that in, in some ways the photos themselves are a sort of dialogue with the artist? Because obviously there's artists that you've shot multiple times in yeah. multiple different places and that kind of feels like there's somewhat of a timeline yeah. itself there. Yeah, no, 100%, because well, a lot of the artists that I'm, I'm close with that I've shot has always been in, like, different places, you know, like, let's just use Asa for example, because that's one of my good friends, and that's probably one of the first people I shot when I started his Faces, you know, I met him in an elevator in the Bronx, and that's when he was working on the Chaplord album, and then, you know, I met him in the elevator, we took some pictures there, and then, you know, I've shot him in multiple places, London, Paris, New York, LA, Texas as well, but I've shot him in all these different places. But so that is like the dialogue of photos that we've taken in all these different locations. Then we always like reflect on them like, oh, remember that shoot we did in LA? Or remember that time we were in New York? Remember the time we were in Paris? Remember the time we were in, you know what I mean? So that is like, the other pictures do create a dialogue. What makes like a Places Plus Faces artist? Because I feel like there's an educational element as well. It's like you could be really into trap music, but then when you like say buy the magazine, you're going to get like J Balvin on the cover or Coffee on the cover or like there's a lot of different people that you're bringing in and it's yeah. like you're introducing people, I feel like, a lot yeah. to different audiences. So what yeah. ties them all together for you? It's just how like myself and souls just like how we listen to music because him and i we're both like we like the same things but we also have our different like music that we listen to so you know like coffee you know i really liked coffee because you know like i said like growing and gambia there was a huge like reggae influence there and then when i heard coffee i feel like she was like a breath of fresh air but still the same sort of vibes i grew up listening to but then she was she was so new that maybe maybe it's because i haven't been keeping up with it or maybe it's 
I don't think that there's been such a new reggae artist. Like those are, there's a lot of like dancehall artists, but like reggae, reggae. I haven't heard of like a new reggae artist in so long that when she came about, I think she took the world by storm. So when I had the chance to shoot her, you know, I like just grabbed it because it was like she was amazing. This is I really liked her stuff, and then with Jay Balvin, when I did the collab the collaboration with Guess, he um he like had worn the pieces. There's a point where he was like wearing it every day on tour and I was like, Oh this guy he's pretty cool. He understands the culture because you know like a lot of reggaeton artists, they're like, you know, they just have like a certain look. But, you know, I even met like his creative directors and they were also saying that how and yeah, he's one of the one of the first reggaeton artists to kinda switch his look to even him wearing like like Louis Vuitton like by Virgil and like changing his hair color and wearing like the streetwear brands and the high fashion brands that's that w- they weren't really doing those things so I could tell that he was you know his music's different but he's speaking the same language and sort of culture and even like how he dresses and stuff so I really like was drawn to that and yeah we did that shoot but you know Souls he he's like he's a big like hip hop like old school hip hop fan so he. But even with that, he loves artists like Logic and, um, like, who else is there? You know, he likes Logic and, like, Mac Miller and all these people as well. That's why Mac, oh, we all like Mac Miller, but, like, Asher Roth yeah. and, like, okay. all these sort of artists. I like Asher Roth too. And it was just kind of, like, just us blending in what we like with each other and then putting in the magazine and then also showing artists that we, you know, that we travel when we travel, that we meet and then they're either like the most popping in the city or about to be the most popping or most popping in the world, you know. For example, we had this artist called Dean, who's this Korean R&B, like who would have thought, because everybody, when people think of like, like Korea, they think of K-pop, but you have this like, Korean R&B guy who's worked with like Sid and all these guys. Anderson Pack as well. Yeah, yeah. Anderson Pack, And then also with Daniel Caesar, you know, when we met him, um, I met him in a random film store in Toronto. Right. And he was coming to London like two, three months to do his first ever show, which is at the Hoxton Bar and Kitchen. And we just linked up, we became friends, and then we did the shoot. And then, what, six months later, he became one of the biggest artists for right now. So it's just always And about you did his us. tour match, right? Yeah, we yeah. did like the collab on the tour match just because we have like a good relationship. So it's like, you know, for us, it's always about showing what we like and also presenting, I guess, yeah, educating, presenting people, the people that we like. They're not, they don't have to be like superstars or anything, you know? It's just in a way just showing what we love to listen to. And I feel like that's what makes our magazine a bit different from other mm-hmm. magazines because we're again just really just showing what our interests are and the pictures that we take and the places that we travel to rather than this is the hottest rapper coming out right now here is the press photos and all that things which is cool for some mags but for us we did it in a different way to not be boxed in without having to name any names or anything i wondered is there any artists that say that you do listen to that you are a fan of but you feel like it doesn't fit the brand so you wouldn't necessarily take pictures of mm. or is it a case of pretty much if you like it then it's places plus spaces yeah yeah like there is you know there's definitely um i'm trying to think but i don't think there's is an artist that we um would say doesn't fit in with the brand like if we like the person then we're gonna like shoot the person or work with the person because we like the person you know it's not about people influencing us it's about us influencing people you know we want to show people what we like and who we like and who we really down with you know this is artist that you know i will name called deb never who's like this um works with brockhampton and stuff yeah like. but like you know i've known her for two years prior she was actually in the second magazine i didn't even know she made me she, she wasn't making she didn't put out any music at those okay. times so when i met her i met her through these other girls that are cool like ghana um Tavia, who's also dating one of the guys from Brookhampton, but these are just a cool collective of girls that just hang out, like take pictures of each other. They're all model and all that. And then watching her now, she's you know been on the Brookhampton album. She's been on the Dominic Fike tour. She's just dropped her debut like EP and stuff. And I took pictures of her then. I'll still take pictures of her now and put her in my magazine. 
not knowing what she really did i just knew she was hanging out with these girls but now she's i feel like she's gonna go on to be one of the biggest singers obviously we've talked a lot about photography but the brand's a lot bigger than that i wondered what was the next thing that came after um after photography was the clothing right so you know the clothing started off as the clothing actually started as more of a business card for the photography because we made these two hoodies with the reflective logo and when we were on stage taking pictures like when people were like taking pictures then when the hoodie reflects you'll see like places faces and then it'll go into the site to then see the pictures but then people were growing interest into the hoodies and then we started selling them and they were like selling so we started making more clothes and then it became like collections and merch pieces and all that stuff and, and you know to the point where we did a collaboration with Guess, we did a collaboration with Gentle Monster which is like a South Korean um, sunglasses company we did collabs with Kumba we made incense you know we've done like a lot of like clothing but also lifestyle products too obviously when we talked at the start it was you were saying about wanting to have a media company and that so the photography stuff will all kind of obviously make sense with that whereas the fashion stuff's like a bit different obviously your kind of dream i guess changed a little bit or like progressed over to that at what point did you start to sort of get really passionate about that side of it well you know the clothing it was just like for us I guess the passion came from knowing what we could make. It was like, cool, we've made these hoodies and these t-shirts. Hmm, if we make a pouch bag, how would those do? And the pouch bags came out and people really were drawn to that. Okay, cool, let's make, you know, other items. And it's like, cool, let's stop printing on blanks. Why don't we, like, make our own custom fits and then it was like wow we actually made this type of thing we made a waterproof jacket we made like our own hoodies that are like 450 gsm it was just more like every time we make a new product we're in awe because it's like wow we've this is what we've made now sick let's try and make a bathrobe let's try and make a reflector you know what i mean it's just always like just making new things and then that's where like the passion with the clothing with the yeah the clothing side of things came and then we just wanted to make more lifestyle products too because we wanted to have that you know like stronghold with places of faces like cool you know we have like this nice clothing why don't we make like like furniture as well like when we make like um like we, we did these japanese style chairs with this company called medicom who do like stuff of like bape and supreme and then we did like furniture with them and that was so we were supposed to sell it but it was so sick that we just more selfish and kept it for ourselves when yeah so it's just i think yeah the passion for it is just more so us just like knowing what we can make and the challenges of making something and and ending up making it even if it takes like a year or two yeah and then i guess it kind of starts going full circle as well because then the clothes and the lifestyle items end up in the photos or you end up giving product to artists which then helps to develop your relationship with them yeah how has that kind of worked from your point of view that like full circleness of it um it's worked pretty amazingly because everything we do kind of ties in with itself you know we can make some sick clothes we could shoot we could like gift it and shoot it on the artists that we fuck with and then we can put it in the magazine and then when we do like a party that you know we can have that artist come perform our party and probably wearing our clothes so then it just kind of like it's more of like a circle rather than us putting more time into different things it's like we we everything pushes pushes the other thing so then it expands everything for us and then it kind of i don't necessarily legitimizes things but it's like okay, cool, we're present, we want to say to someone, hey, we want to shoot you for a magazine. Oh, who's been in a magazine? J Balvin, Coffee, XYZ, cool, we want to be a part of it. Cool, we want to style you for the magazine. Okay, that's cool. Instead of us trying to go and like grab pieces from like all these PR companies, like the Gucci's and all these things, why don't we shoot them in our clothes because we make clothes and then, Yeah, and I guess it also means that you're having a more even more active influence on the culture rather than the photography which is kind of documenting what's happening yeah. i guess you're like actually making a change there with yeah. what the aesthetic is and like what influencing it you know and it's like you know then you know with the events it's like you know we started doing parties at ace hotel and then now these parties have grown to tours around the world in like tokyo you know london paris new york la atlanta 
South Korea, Bangkok, Singapore, you know, and then then you know some of the artists that we 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 like, we will bring them to some of these places. You know, we brought gigs to Tokyo two years ago. We brought Suspect to Tokyo last year. We brought my good friend Cassian to Tokyo this year, and you know, and then what do they end up wearing when they're performing these shows? Places plus faces gear, and then it, that kind of shows the people that are at the parties that you know they're wearing. Not shows them, but like it's like they're like marketing the brand for the brand at the brand's event you know so it's yeah. all like ties in with each other on that kind of business model side of it what influences you where do you get these ideas from on a business side of things um i feel like the party model for me was was sort of influenced by ben trill back in the day like i remember when like virgil and matthew and heron were like djing as ben trill and they were just like being these like places like all like dressed up in like, the same clothing sometimes and then they would like play like you know the music and and just go crazy at these parties and then they built like a party culture with that so i feel like the move into parties was subtly influenced by like the early bentrill days and then with the business like just doing all these like events and all these arts and all these things i feel like it wasn't influenced by anything particularly, but it was just a thing that, oh, this makes sense to do. It was like, you know, from the first mag, like, cool, we shot this mag. And I remember Souls shot Lil Yachty at his, like, first show in London. And Leo knew of the brand, so Souls brought him some pieces, and then he was wearing it at his concert. And then Souls, like, took all these pictures of him, like, on stage, and then just backstage like Frank Ocean he was wearing the clothing and so I was like oh sick we've got pictures of Lil Yachty in London and he's also wearing our clothes and it's for the magazine we should just do more things like that of just like shooting artists that we like in our stuff and it was just that's how we kind of progressed into what it is now and I remember we had a really early conversation when you were thinking about doing a magazine but outside of the magazine the majority of this stuff has existed online people are looking at it through their phone or whatever, yeah. whereas, like, now you've got three volumes? Uh, four. Four, four. four volumes of this magazine. Yeah. What was it that made you want to want to start printing it? And and also, the magazine format it's, itself is interesting because it's just literally photos and there's yeah. no no copy, really. I guess, you know, with the to make the magazine, we just wanted to have a physical place where we can put our photos before we actually make a book because you know the end goal is to like make a book so the magazines to us is sort of like mixtapes or like eps that's how we look at them it's like we're dropping these mixtapes and then you know to like prep for the book and we just wanted something that's you know because on instagram we might post like one or two pictures or three pictures of like the artists you know on tumblr we might post like five pictures of the certain thing but we might have like, we might be seeing on like 60 to 100 pictures or maybe at least like 50 to 100 pictures of this moment. And then when, you know, when you put an Instagram, I feel like the moment's there, but when you post the next picture, that moment's gone and then people are focusing on this moment. But we wanted to make a magazine so that people can like have it with them and then they can like flick through. It can be, it's more of like a coffee table thing more of like a coffee table type thing and then also it's easier for us to i feel you know market place with faces more as not just like an instagram thing it's like hey we're place with faces we are we start as photographers but hey check out our magazine and we've had xyz in it and you know this is our clothing too which is in the magazine so this is why in a way you guys should fuck with us we just wanted to tell the story in photos, especially if, like, there's a lot going on, you know? If it's, like, a time in Milan, here's where we were shooting in Shibuya, and now we're in the hotel, and now it's just I want people to just kind of base the stories off of what they see rather than what they read. Yeah, yeah, of course. With the party stuff, I'm interested in the fact that, like, it's kind of flipped because previously, like, you're 
on the other side you've got the camera you're taking the pictures but then suddenly i'm seeing you like on massive stages and you're like djing and you're mm-hmm. on the mic how how was that for you like was it something that you were nervous about at first or how did you like develop into that role like the photography i fell into djing by accident as well it's like i was in tokyo and my friend who has that brand a martial noir he was doing like a pop-up and a party in tokyo and he needed like I think he needed like one DJ to fill in. Like all the DJs were booked, but he needed someone to fill in a certain time. And like Japanese people are very like, they only play to what they're given. Like if you tell someone your time is at 11 to 12, you can't go back and tell them, oh no, can you do 10.30 to to 12? Yeah. They're very like, nope, this is what we're told. This is what we're going to do. So I was like, you know, I don't know how to DJ that well, but I can try. And then like, I was just playing a random music on virtual DJ and people getting crazy to it. And then I was just on the mic like, yeah, right, turn up. And then, and then like, it was cool. And then from there, I started learning how to DJ better. Like my friend, Darky Freaker, who we DJ together at events. Um, I'd watch him a lot DJ till I got the confidence to not use virtual DJ and just use my U- the USB sticks and then it was just like every show we're doing it's just like building up the confidence like there's still shows that i do now that i'm nervous that i won't speak on the mic and then he'll probably speak on the mic but there's other shows where like i'll be super into it too it's just kind of like depending on my i won't say my mood but just how i'm like feeling at that moment because like you know i've played like super huge stages and i'm like fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah and then i've played like like decent sized crowds i'm like this is cool but then i might go crazy at the huge days but be quiet so it kind of really just depends i still get nerve nervous but yeah it's cool yeah because you always have quite a calm i feel like quiet introspective demeanor so like i was actually really surprised one time when i seen this like huge warehouse (laughs) and you were like on the mic and i'm like that's not really (laughs) that's not the cissé that i that i know it was influenced Um, by a lot of alcohol yeah yeah yeah, yeah. what what do you um when you do a dj set What's what's your process there? Is it do you prepare for it? Do you kind of know roughly what you're gonna play, or are you kind of just going off the crowd? Uh, I go off the crowd, but I, like I have like certain songs that I play that will always like have the crowd go crazy. But then, you know, I'll always like play stuff that you know that I just want to hear as well. Because I feel like a lot of like DJs now they kind of play to the crowd, but they play what they know 100% the crowd wants to hear so it's like you know if you play Mo Bamba Sickle Mode um, any really Travis Scott or Drake song you know for your whole set the crowd's gonna go crazy for that whole set because they're just hearing hits 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 and for me I always wanna like play other songs that you know like even if it's like a few people turning up to it those few people might tell at the next event, they might tell their friends, hey, these plays face guys or that CSA DJ, he plays weirder stuff or he plays some other songs. We should go check him out. Because like, when you play the same, same, same songs, it's cool for DJs that do that. Like, I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not like saying it's bad. It's just, um, I don't know. It's just like, I just want to always just play. Like when I mean my different music, it's that I might play like, Daft Punk one more time or I might play like Madonna like a virgin or something you know like just like weird to play weird for the context weird of for the, the yeah, yeah, weird context, of course. but it's just like I'm you know what I mean it's like I just want to have fun you know and I don't know sometimes when I play certain songs it's kind of like a zombie effect for me it's like okay this song okay this song okay this song when I'm playing these other songs and I'm like going like oh shit like and then they go crazy to it too like when I play like Nirvana smells like teen spirit and, like people go crazy for that and I'm going crazy and I'll play like Steve Monnight only you and you know people go crazy over that and then you know there'll be some people I think like what the fuck is this and other people are like no this is the shit and then they influence those people and then people feel kind of left out because they're like oh we don't know this song we have to research this song and then the next time it gets played they go crazy for it because uh, so um, again it's just always introducing people to music that they may not have heard yet. yeah I think that's why I mentioned that kind of educational element earlier because like going to your nights you see people who you aren't going to get at the normal like yeah. hip hop party that is playing Mo Bamba and Travis mm-hmm. Scott and Drake but 
they maybe got into it because they like you know the clothing or something yeah. and they've turned up at this thing but yeah. then i feel like watching it as particularly your set like you say you're kind of throwing all these like curveballs yeah. in and i feel like that's kind of part of what the brand is to yeah. me at least it feels like it's like people are coming in there because they like one thing but they're leaving liking something new yeah yeah and that's exactly that's exactly how we try to approach everything it's just always us like feeling like we're introducing something new to someone so it doesn't feel like the same event that they've been to five times in the past two weeks like you know now like they've done those events and now they've come to this one it's like oh shit this is crazy who are these guys and then that's how i feel like you get booked for more things as well because it's always like someone in a crowd that you know is coming there and then they could be from an, an electric an electronic world or something and they're like oh these guys can also play this range of music i'm not gonna box them and it's just hip-hop djs they are djs so we can book them for any sort of event and they can cater but also do whatever i wonder because places plus faces is such a lifestyle brand how do you develop for yourself a good work-life balance you know what for me like the work and life is pretty much the same for me. It's like, I wake up super early, like 7 a.m. I'll get to my office by like 11 a.m. And then I'll be working there, but in between working, I'm like watching South Park, and like stuff like that. And then I'm back into like designing things or like working on the next event. So I never, cause I haven't had that many like jobs. I never got into my head what work is supposed to feel like and what life is supposed to feel like for me it's all merged into one like i'll be like hitting up um my manufacturer at, like 2 a.m i have these new ideas sending it through they're like this, this is not work hours i'm like damn it I think, i'm thinking in my head like everybody needs to be like this like everybody not needs to be but like why am i the one that's thinking of these things and sending it like you should be up too but then after like get into the mode where there's people that really only just work from nine to five and then I have to wait the next day to get them at that time. But for me, I'm always like thinking of new things. So there's never like a, a disconnect. It's always like work and life is the same thing for me because I never knew what a regular work thing was. Do you ever get stressed or burnt out by the amount of stuff that you're doing? Um, I know. Funny enough, I haven't. Um, I have like a good team that work for me. I don't. I don't feel, I don't really get like, because it's all fun for me, you know, everything I'm doing, it's fun. Even the clothing and the manufacturing, like, that's probably the most dedicated part. It's like, you know, all the um, clothing side of things. But even that's still fun for me because it's, again, my manufacturer's sending me something and the sample might not come out right. So I'm like, oh, okay, make this better. But it's like, wow, okay, okay, he has to make this better. But that's, you know what I mean? Everything for me is just fun. It's just like me enjoying myself. I haven't ever felt like, fuck, I don't want to do this today. It's always been like, great, a new opportunity. Let's see what where life takes us today. Yeah. I've always thought that it's really inspiring the way that you're able to really remain a music fan. I think that, like, I see enough people who come in as a music fan, it becomes their career, and then suddenly that fan side sort of drops away. I wondered, like, if there's anything that you do or any kind of approach that you have to just making sure that you're always remaining a fan and you're always excited about music, basically. I think for me, it's... I think what keeps me a music fan is travelling and then meeting other artists that are similar to what we have in like let's say London and America but you know these guys could be from like a Bangkok like uh, an example would be this artist called Fum um, I can't say his last name like Fum put something like that where he's this guy from Bangkok I think he used to live in New Zealand but I know he lives in Bangkok and his sound is similar to like a Rex Orange County and to have like an artist like that in like Southeast Asia and killing it there and then you know and then I've been there and I've met him and he's performed at one of my events and then me being able to start a relationship with him and then just hearing his stuff and then coming back and being like you know music is 
is its own language that everybody speaks. You know, they might speak in a different language, but it's still the same tones and melodies. And then, then you know, coming back to London, and then you know, even with like higher brothers, you know, they're from like China and they learn music, listening to Soldier Boy music video. They so they learn how to to rap and speak English through like Soldier Boy music videos, or even like Rich Brian, and then. So I'm always just in awe that there's like so many new artists that it's not always like, it's not always about America anymore. Like America, obviously America is like the place that people want to end up in, but you now have all these artists from all around the world that people are now paying attention to. And so I feel like that for me keeps me a music fan because I'm able to travel and meet them. Like, or like be where they're from and stuff, and then seeing how they impact their where they're from and their cultures and all that. Yeah, I think that global like outlook that you have is really important as well because I feel like it's really easy, especially in a city like London, where like, yeah. there's a lot of people passing through. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to just get kind of lazy and just stuck at like looking at what yeah. is right in front of you. Where do you think that that outlook came from for you? I think it's because I've always been traveling, even before places faces and my parents. My mom works for the UN, so she was always like going to these like countries, and then we'd always go over there for like holidays. Like I've been to like Kosovo and Liberia and like Sierra Leone, and then going there and then hearing what people are listening to there, and then coming back to London and then showing it to people. Some people might not get, some people do, and then they'll might get over over time. And then I think now. You know, now I'm I'm traveling for myself and for my for my company. Then meeting these artists and listening, I'm like, wow, like, okay, cool, like this is what I'm. I feel like I'm supposed to be doing is that just traveling and meeting new people, kind of like the music version of Borden. You know, like <laughs> taste food and stuff. I'm like the music version was like, cool. I'm in Bangkok now. Who are we? You know what I mean? So, yeah. But do you think it also works both ways? Because obviously, like you mentioned before, you'll take a gigs or a suspect out of the UK and yeah. into a territory that they probably haven't been before and might struggle to reach. Yeah, I mean, you know, I like to pair people, you know. And so, like, when we did the gigs show, it was, like, gigs. And there's this rapper called Ko, who's, like, the biggest rapper in Japan. Um, he was on the Ichima song, and he's actually on the extended version of Nike's and he's rapping in Japanese, like Frank Ocean's Nike song. He's like rapping in Japanese. And I think he's done a song with Mariah Carey as well. But like, you know, had gigs and him there. So it's introducing Japanese people to what they know and then introducing them to what they might not know or may know, but wouldn't have had the chance to see, until my gigs wouldn't have the chance to see him unless they came out to London or unless he got booked later on to do a show. I just happened to be the guy that did it first and then it's like vice versa when like I'm doing parties in London, I always try to have the London connection but then also mixing it in with somebody not from London to then introduce them or just have their presence there as well. Yeah, it feels like sort of like juxtaposition is an yeah. important it kind of feels like you bring two things together that yeah. in the context of places plus faces makes sense. Yes. But probably if someone else just stuck them on together, it might yeah. be kind of weird. And that's, you know, like what, what you said exactly in the context of places faces is what I love that people are noticing is that it makes sense that we do it because of our global outreach and where we've been and what we've done globally, that if we now bring these things together, it makes the perfect sense, but someone else may do it that it doesn't have that connection there, or it doesn't feel right because there's not that proper, distinct connection. Yeah. What's the most difficult thing that you think you've had to overcome in your career so far? Difficult thing is probably like turning down, like saying no to things. Like I've been approached with like a lot of um, projects or collabs and things that would have made us like a shit ton of money or um, would have taken our brand in a certain direction. But I trust myself and my vision that I've turned them down because I know that we're on like a certain path and I want to like focus on this path and don't want to deter it 
and I'm not gonna name any names. We've turned down like collabs from like crazy shoe companies and stuff, like that offered like huge money. But then when I look at it, they're offering they're offering all of this because they want to tap into the culture and they want place those faces to be the ship that gets them to the culture and then for them it might work for them and their marketing teams but yes you did it you we've 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 got places faces now we're cool but then for us it's like oh place of faces did that yeah they probably did that for the money yeah we don't know if we can fuck your place face too more because they're like i don't i don't believe in the term selling out but I do believe there's always like a give and take yeah. for things. And then whenever I'm collabing with someone or working on something, I always like, first I like sit down and I think, how does it look with the place versus narrative? And second, what's the give and take? Like, are we giving them more or are we taking more? It was like a 50-50, you know? So it's just like turning down certain things that people are like, are you crazy? Like, that's why would you turn that down? Like even people saying like, you may not ever get opportunity like this again. And then me having to be like, you know what? I'm content with that. If I don't get this opportunity again, at least in my heart of hearts, I consider I've said no. And for some people, like it works out, some people it doesn't, but I trust myself. So yeah. What are you most proud of about what you've achieved so far? I think just being able to travel freely and just building something without any backing or from like other things. It's a hundred percent owned by myself and Souls. You know, like Souls, even within the first three, four years of Placement Faces, he was still working in Sainsbury's. And then me being in a position where like I can afford not to work a nine to five and then telling souls okay it's cool now you don't have to work here no more we uh, you can afford not to work like a day job anymore like place spaces is like your main thing now and then just us being able to travel and take pictures and just enjoy life i think that's the most prized thing so we we get to enjoy what we do while doing what we love and lastly what does success look like to you success for me i think it's leaving like the legacy that you know place was faces existed you know we documented time period you know i don't know how long it's lost hopefully lost forever but you know things always happen so just that we existed and people recognize it and also just me kind of moving back to gambia and then just being super comfortable out there Thank you for listening to Making Conversation with Grant Bryden featuring Cissé. If you like this episode, then please be sure to rate, comment and subscribe wherever you're listening to podcasts. You can find Cissé and Places Plus Faces on Instagram, as well as placesplusfaces.com. You can find me on social media at Grant Bryden. Thank you to Kiki, where we recorded all of these episodes.